Hi everyone, welcome back to Operation Exercise. I'm joined here today by one of my long, long, long go friends. His name is George Butler, uh, started off at school together, but he has quite a background in athletic accomplish accomplishments, uh, starting from being an ex-pro in football, soccer, however you want to uh, call it. He's also currently a full-time coach at Chelsea Academy and he has completed his um, Bachelor in Sports Studies as well as his personal training certificate. So George, great to have you on the show. Thanks Anton, yeah, good to be here mate. Um, yeah, so as Anton quickly mentioned there, uh, just a brief bit about myself. So I spent um, two years as a scholar at uh, QPR whilst they were uh, prom getting promotion for the Premier League. I then was very lucky to have one year as a pro uh, before leaving and going to university, completing my uh, undergrad, and uh, I'm now a coach, mainly with the Chelsea Foundation, but I do do bits here and there with um, something called an integration programme, which is bridging um, into the academy, um, and that's sort of the journey I'm on now. So, George. Plenty of background in sport, like we just talked about. Um, I mean, I remember playing with you football in school. You know, you were great above everyone, kind of. When it came to athletics, great above everyone. Working out with you sometimes, again, great above everyone. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'd lift more than you, but... Always. Understandable. Um, so, kind of, talking about all that, like I say, you've been in sport a long time. And, obviously, that's going to involve some physical training. So... How would you differentiate kind of the different physical training that you've had to go through during different stages of your sporting career? Yeah, okay, so um, first of all, one of the major things I did as a kid, um, so in the winter, obviously I'd play football, and in the summer um, I did athletics and I did 400 metres and long jump. Those were my two main events. So those two actually worked hand in hand in the sense of sort of cardiovascular fitness. So the football season would end and I'd go into athletics season being fairly fit already. Train for the 400, as you well know, is pretty brutal. Um, you know, you're not sure whether you're sprinting or, or, or what, you know, and that build up of lactic acid at the end, you're not going to get that in any other event. Um, so then I would find out at the end of the summer season with the athletics, I'd go back to football and still be in shape. So the first, and this was during like what we call uh, in the UK is our, our schoolboy academy, so we're still at school, and we're only training twice, maybe three times a week with a game on the weekend with, the, with QPR. So that worked really well, because at an age where you're still growing, you don't really want to be in the gym. You know, you want to let your body develop um, naturally, um, and you know, I don't have any scientific background for this uh, aspect, but you know, lifting weights too early, can hinder sort of muscle growth and how you develop as a human so cardiovascularly that worked great you know I was always I wasn't the fittest when we came back to football but I was always up there like in the bleep test and you know um, it also helped a lot with um, injury prevention early on in the season I found um, I very rarely got injured um, and I think partly that's down to the fact that my body was just used to keep going there was no stop start for a year a whole year round I was running pretty much so schoolboy academy, you know, like I said, running uh, and jumping, plyometrics, um, which again goes hand in hand with football when it going up for headers. 
as you know, Anton, I'm not the tallest. I'm not blessed with that gene. That is very true. I have seen you score some bullet headers past me in my own net sometimes, which yeah, is, you know, brings back great memories. is one of the best goals I've ever scored for school. Yes, it was an own goal, but diving header from edge of the box, top corner, has got to be up there. Yeah, leaving me with no chance to save it, you know. Exactly. But, um, yeah, no, so, you know, all of these transferable skills I learned as a kid that, um, you know, sort of bounding, jumping, two-footed jumping, one-legged jumping, um, hopping, all these sort of transferable skills I found once... I got to under 16's age group where we were then looking to be going full time um, as scholars with QPR. We'd go into the gym and start performing, you know, your squats, um, hand cleans, um, quite a lot of dynamic sort of movements, um, compound movements. Um, I found uh, were, were quite easy for me. Um, I had quite a good range of uh, motion, um, partly due to the fact I'd already been. Like, like I said, bounding, box jumping, all of this since a young age. So just adding a bit of weight, I found quite easy. Um, so I think that that transferable skill of using different sports, I'm, I'm a massive adv advocate for that. And I tell my the kids that I coach now that, you know, whenever I speak to parents, what other sports are they doing? You know, whether that's tennis, so they've got that lateral movement and that coordination, basketball, all these different hand-eye coordinations, which is slightly different. Lots of different transferable skills I find help massively. Um, so just, sorry, just on that, I um, kind of want to bring something up. So uh, whenever I coach goalkeepers, sometimes I get stuck with people who play volleyball, who play basketball and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know your extent of knowledge on the technique and stuff like that, but the way you catch and throw a basketball is completely different to the way you would catch and throw a football uh, as a goalkeeper. So obviously there is some similar skills that you learn, but there's also some contradicting ones. Yep. So when you coach, for example, how do you go around those contradicting skills sometimes? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because, uh, and you're right, like some do help, but then it, it does get to a stage where one is going to hinder the other. Um, and the difficult thing for that with youngsters at the minute is because they're not full-time at one sport, you don't really want to prioritise one over the other, if that makes sense. So when I was doing athletics, I would usually find myself running and my arms, instead of going straight line, were sort of coming across because I was used to protecting myself when I was running. Then I'd go back to football, my arms would be going in a straight line, struggling a bit more to so protect much. myself. Exactly. Then obviously when I went full-time, my priority was to protect myself. So I didn't need to worry about running straight line and that became a bit of a habit. So when they're kids, I think it's difficult and you've just got to do your best really, but I don't think we should out-train that skill until it's necessary. So for you then, what would you say, even like in, in your own experience, what's a good time for someone to start prioritizing a sport? Yeah, this is tricky, this is tricky. I think it doesn't just come about timing, I think it comes from environment as well. So if I'm working with a child at a community session and they're 15, and I'm looking, this is gonna sound a bit harsh, they're not gonna make it as a footballer. Then I would prioritize loads of different aspects. So if, it, if I was doing catching, for example, not only how they catch in a football, but how they catch in a basketball, how they catch in a cricket ball, how they catch in a tennis ball. Now, if I was to be put into an academy environment at 15, but they've got a strong chance of going and getting paid and going full-time in football, then that's when I would prioritize. So it's quite, it's, it's hard. I mean, you might find a 13 year old that is just blessed naturally and they're gonna be a football player. So crack on, you know, start giving them the football specifics. But I, as a coach, now with my coaching hat on, I'm there going, I wanna make this child an all round human being. I want them to be able to throw, jump, catch, 
so that they can play football at a good level, maybe locally, and earn a little bit of money on the side, but then also can go and do all these other sports and these other activities. But then if you put me in an academy environment, as still a coach, I'm there going, well, why are you trying to catch a basketball? You're going to be a professional goalkeeper. So, and as you know better than me, the foot patterns are slightly different. The, the way in which you catch, I mean, the ball's smaller for one. Um, you know, so timing's difficult and there's no, I don't think there's a right answer. So when did you specialise? Because obviously I remember we, we were back in school. Um, I remember, I think it was when you turned 16, I think you uh, kind of went more or less full-time kind of football and I don't think you did any other sport then apart from football, if I'm right. Um, or did you still yeah. kind of differentiate was, every now and then? It's interesting because, um, like I said, I always did athletics. When I started athletics, it was to do something in the summer at the end of football. And it got to a stage where... Um, I didn't become extremely good at athletics, but I did all right. You know, I um, I got to represent Southwest England in the UK school games, which over here in England is a is quite a big event. You know, you get teams from five parts of England, plus Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and then we had Brazil. I think it was because Brazil had the next Olympic Games. This was just pre to 2012, um, so I'm, I'm guessing that's the reason why I'm there. So you know, that was. As you could sort of, it was borderline national slash international level. So I did, you know, okay in athletics. And so as I got older, that decision became a little bit more complex in terms of do I now focus on football or athletics? But I was always more inclined to go football. So, but that wasn't until about, I reckon 15, 16 was when I made the conscious decision to commit to football. But I was still doing other sports maybe more so recreationally as opposed to uh, competitively so you know at school I did uh, football basketball um, like cross-country running uh, rugby um, loved playing the rugby um, yeah, I didn't fancy playing against you though that was absolutely terrible no, every time we played in house rugby it was just I remember it was an absolute pain oh that was yeah it's because we had me and Costa no, 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 Costa doesn't care. It was just, it was basically just you. <laughs> no, no, we, we had a decent team. But it was when it was on a full size rugby pitch and you had like eight players. That was when it, yeah, like, that whole was painful. day playing rugby was Yeah, painful. that was painful. But what a great transferable skill. That is very true. There we go. So, yeah, no, I was probably about 16 where I made, 15, 16 where I made the conscious decision that football was where I was going to go full time. Like I say, I was in the environment of being in an academy and I knew I had a good opportunity to go full time. Um, however, like I said, if I wasn't as developed in terms of my football skills then maybe I would have just carried on doing a bit of everything that sounds good so all right so now take me obviously you kind of went into when you were a scholar you know you went in the gym you started doing more explosive stuff like hand clean power jerks everything like that so kind of as it progressed and you became a pro um did the intensity of those sessions ever change did the goals of those sessions ever change and you know say I mean, you have, what, two games a week usually, or one, one or two? Uh, yeah, so at, at under-18s level, it was more or less once a week, unless we de- went quite far in the in the Cups or whatever, but more, more times than not, it was one, just one game a week. Okay, so how would you... Obviously, pre-season's going to be completely different yeah. to in-season, but in-season, how did your kind of training schedule compare to your weight schedule? Because in America, I don't know if you know, going in the gym is a huge thing you know uh, being aesthetic is just a huge determinator of just like you know you're going to be more powerful run faster you'll be 
it just everything is just going to improve that's the thinking um and sometimes we work too hard sometimes don't work hard enough so kind of in a pro environment how did that look during the week when you are in season yeah so it's interesting so i'll just quickly outline just in case anyone listening isn't quite sure so when i talk about my scholarship so this is at under 18s level so this is when in the uk you're doing your A-levels, um, what's that in America, pre-college? Pre so it's when you're 17, 18. 17, 18, so you're, you're, you're doing that. Now in um, in England, it's compulsory that you have to stay in education until you finish uh, those two years post-school. Um, so I was full, a full-time footballer essentially, but I wasn't professional. I was on what's called a scholarship, which is essentially uh, an apprenticeship. So I was a full-time footballer whilst doing my college alongside it. Um, so, sorry, just touching quickly on, so when we were scholars, now obviously that for a lot of us, that was our first real taste of the gym. Uh, we'd done bits before when we were under 15s, under 16s, but a lot of that was with like broom handles and pull-ups and body weight movements and um, injury prevention, prehab and all that sort of stuff. Learning how to foam roll properly, stretch, all the rest of it. So when we got um, into the gym, this was a real eye-opener for me. I'd never considered the gym. Honestly, never had. Like for me, it was, if you want to be a footballer, play football. And to a strong sense, I still think that's the case. But now I know the benefits of the gym. Now, our gym was interesting. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this. So we would traditionally have a game on a Saturday morning and we'd have Sunday off. So Monday, we would do a predominantly upper body gym session with a few legs, but it wasn't to lift heavy. And then we would train after the gym. We'd then go train after the, So we'd then be on the pitch. Monday was just a single day on the pitch because in the afternoon we'd go to college. Tuesday was what we called the red day. So we would do a heavy, heavy leg session in the gym in the morning and then go onto the pitch. So have a protein shake and go straight onto the pitch. So breakfast, heavy gym, get on the pitch. Now at the time, I'm there going, this is fantastic. Like my legs are in pieces at the end of the day. I was thinking, this is great. This is what pro football was like. Now, after doing my qualifications and stuff, I would never do the gym legs, especially before going onto the pitch. Well, I was going to say, because I feel like in that sense, well, one, your performance is going to go down exactly. here on the training pitch. And I mean, it's all well and good. And if you're in a position in the team where you don't really need to perform in training, you're kind of mm. one of the starters. But if you're battling for a spot, yeah. you're already kind of... Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. This is where I think it was my first eye-opener as well to like personalise gym plans. Like We never all had the same gym plan. We had similar ones, but never had all the same, which is interesting because I would always, my rule was every exercise I did, if I did squats and the week before I did first set 40 kilos, second set 45 kilos, third set 50 kilos. The next week I had to start on 45, then 50, and then got to 55. So it was always a gradual Always increase. pushing yourself yeah. a little bit. But not everyone had the same <laughs> mentality, I guess. There's right some people that are just happy with putting the barbell on their yeah. back, getting all their squats yeah. out, and then that's and it. And it's interesting because there'd be some people that would work as hard as me, if not harder, and maybe didn't play. There was myself who worked hard but played, and people that didn't work hard and played, and people that didn't work hard and didn't play. Like, there was, it was so varied, and yeah. it was quite interesting. But, yeah, so, sorry, just going back to that red day. So then after we'd done our main session on the pitch, which was a heavy session because we would do like an hour and a half and it was really tough, after a tough gym session. It was lunch and then back on the pitch for another session. So that's why Tuesday was known as red day. Wednesday was a day off because of college. Thursday, light gym session, like that, and then a normal session. Friday, no gym, and 
very light session before the game on the Saturday. So we were in the gym three times a week, one heavy day, really heavy day. And I'd say, well, one day off on the Wednesday and on the Friday, a light day before the game. So that's sort of how the, the week looks. Now, when we look at it, specifically gym, like I said, I was, as you can remember, I was quite skinny. Yeah. I, I wasn't like really skinny, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't really have muscles. Yeah. You know, I was, like I said, I, I used to run, long jump and play football. You didn't I'm, have muscle, but you were very explosive. Like you always did explosive sports. So, yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of the burst of speed, the burst of power to yeah. jump high, whatever it is you yeah. need. I feel like that's the kind of thing that yeah. you always had. I mean, you wouldn't have looked at me at 16 and gone, that guy goes to the gym. Oh, You'd yeah, probably no, just said that guy goes running. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that sort of look. Um, so when, that first year I had doing that, I didn't put on like masses and masses of size, but I did get a lot stronger. I got a little bit broader. Um, you know, my jumps were higher and all the rest of it. But, so, yeah. sorry, just to interrupt you. Um, so, I don't know, obviously, it was quite a long time ago, um, but if you were to go back to that time, do you think that kind of training schedule, do you think that was good for you? Or... So, very interesting. So, looking back on it, I would, like I said, I would never lift weights before going onto the pitch because my job was to be a football player. Yeah. Right? However, when I got into my pro year, where the gym was a lot more ownership on yourself, and I had a lot of injuries in my pro year and so didn't really go to the gym in the same uh, intensity as I had done as a first year scholar um, and I, my performances dropped massively. Oh really? Now if I think ideally for me it would have been better to go on the pitch first and then in the afternoon do a heavy gym session but it was interesting that I'd no, I didn't really think about this until I went to uni. You know that first year I had as a scholar Maybe it might have been because I'd gone from no gym to three times a week and seen a massive improvement and then just sort of plateaued. Um, I mean, personally, I think the gym is all, should always be an accessory. I think it should always be an accessory for, but so, for, for footballers. But so you say in your pro year, you got a lot of injuries and then you weren't in the gym for too much. Do you think... It was the not being in the gym too much that caused those injuries, or was it the injuries that caused you being in the gym too much? Um, not uh, that's a million dollar question. I think if, if we'd have known the answer to that, I wouldn't be sat here as an ex-professional. Eh? But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, second year scholar, I tore my MCL, and which was, in, like I said, I'd never really had any injuries before, yeah. apart from a concussion and a broken nose here and there. But like, um, it was weird, yeah. And then I just had, you know, groins was like very tight and pulled and, uh, and I was getting issues with my back and it all just sort of accumulated very quickly in one season mm -hmm. um, would the gym have helped I don't know I don't know it's one of those things that I wish I knew the answer to um, but you know the times where I weren't wasn't in the gym as much or you know a lot of the time I was in the gym injured it was to strengthen the certain areas and I wasn't doing as much intensity on the whole body uh, you know, those injuries kept recurring. So, potentially, yeah, of course, there's no denying that, but I'd be lying if I sat and said that's the reason. No, that makes sense. And I mean, just, just kind of the way you're phrasing it and stuff like that, I feel like that is a huge question for kind of a lot of people out there. Because, for example, like at the level that I play at, we are um, in, in season and off season is very different um, in America to England. We play, obviously, in England, you have your pre-season which is two months in the summer and then you play from what august till basically end of may so it's a very long season very drawn out in america so you have your season which is usually beginning of september till 
November, and then you have your post preseason kind of in the spring. And that spring, so how you say you have your heavy sessions, that's when we'd have our heavy sessions because you don't play too many games, you don't train too much, so you're mostly in the gym trying to kind of build it up and stuff like that. And then when it actually gets to season, um, I mean, at the level that I play at, we train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we're usually in the gym after training. So unlike obviously when you were at QPR, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And then we play Friday, rest Saturday, play Sunday. So it's it's a bit more full-on and stuff like that. And so that's why I kind of wanted your opinion on how it feels because I'm kind of the same. I love being in the gym and stuff like that. And I think definitely it's helped me loads. But I mean, I don't really remember what it was like playing football before I started going to the gym because, I mean, it's been like five or six years. Um, and I feel like kind of how you were saying, there's no way kind of doing weights before and going out there. I feel that would be absolutely terrible but then again i saw i mean you probably know this as well but when you work a muscle group out properly it takes three days to fully recover yeah so how you were saying you'd have your super heavy day on tuesday and then obviously you have wednesday thursday friday so by saturday when you play your game you think it's fully recovered but then it's not because you've kind of had more and more training on it um so i just kind of want to and it's actually really weird that you've kind of said that that kind of thing was used in a pro club and a pro academy and stuff like that and i mean i wonder if it's the same now because i would say it's been a few years since yeah. that's happened so i wonder if it's kind of still the same setup that they have um i wouldn't know if it's the same setup now but you know the guy that was in charge of it all he was actually very good really nice guy and he's still in a pro club now um a very good pro club as well um and I'm sure that he would have reasons as to why we did those heavy sessions or any gym session before going on the pitch. I mean, you could argue, well, if you can perform well on the pitch after doing that, when you come to a Saturday and you're fresh, you know, you can, you, you'll be able to go even better. There's, I mean, I don't have the scientific backing for any of that, but you know, that is a full process I've had. And like I said, that year where I first went into gym and did that has, was probably the best year I ever had at football in terms of how I performed. So it's interesting. I mean, like I say, even I'm still sitting there now going, I wouldn't do it that way, even though I've had my best year there. Yeah. I mean, I only really had three years full time. And on, if you took out those, the second year, you know, after a big injury, you know, missing a lot of football there. So the two years where I played a lot, you know, one year I had barely any injuries, was doing heavy sessions before training. One year I wasn't in the gym and kept getting injuries. So it's quite interesting. So, but then this is what I think about individualized training. You know, everyone is reacts differently. I know people that would work just as hard as me in the gym, but then struggle with injuries, or not work nowhere near as hard as me in the gym, and then still play at a similar level to me. So I think it's very, very like specialised. Um, but one thing I have noticed, and I'll just touch on this briefly. I don't know if you want to expand on it, because I noticed it when I was at uni as well. So I played at um, at uni. Our university main side didn't play in what we call our university league in England, our Bucks. We played actually on a, in, in a Saturday at a decent non-league level. Um, and we had a very, very good team. Very good team. A lot of players that had been in academies or been close to academies all around it. And we had a few players that were desperate to make it pro. And I'd always say to them, but what are you doing every day? Because there's a reason you're playing non-league and the pros are pros. So they're obviously at a higher level than you at the moment, right? So you not only have you got to surpass them, but you've got to reach them first. So you spoke there about you're in America in the postseason, that's when you do your heavy gym sessions. 
why? Go play football. You know, if, if you want to become better at free kicks, what are you going to do? You're going to go take free kicks. You're not going to go squat. Yes, it helps. You know, you might get more power with the rest of it. You know, you know the science. But it's an accessory. You know, um, so if you're a non-league player or a college player and you want to be pro, the pros are doing... Uh, in the morning, they're waking up and doing a prehab session, foam rolling, stretching, getting the right nutrition on board. They're not waking up at 10 p.m. after having a few drinks the night before and a pizza and then just slugging it about all day and then going to bed. Like They'd have been up at a good time, stretched, foam rolled, recovered, had a good breakfast, gone training. So And then maybe in the afternoon done a weight session or an injury prevention, an injury prevention session. You know, so this is the first, the first thing I'd say to any amateur footballer who wants to make it pro, you need to do more than the pros. You need to get to their level before you can surpass them. If I went on trial and I was similar level to a, to a professional, a similar age or the rest of it, they probably won't make much of a change. But if I can surpass them, then that's when the changes happen. So if a pro's doing a double session, you probably need to be doing 1%, at least 1% more, whether that's via nutrition, training, sleep, whatever it is. That's my one of the major concerns I see with college players, university players, however you want to call it, who want to be pro. Are they doing more than a pro? They have to be, if you want to get to their level. There's a reason why you're not there already. So you need to do more. You know, you talk about um, going to the gym, like you said, in America in the off-season. But like, for yourself, it might be okay in your position because you need that explosive power, yada, yada, yada. But when it becomes technical, that's, what, that's what's letting you down, the gym is not going to help you. You know, if you're a central midfielder and your first touch isn't very good, going to the gym is not going to help that. It's like going for a 5k run before pre-season thinking, yeah, I'll smash pre-season. And next minute, minute you're doing interval training or fartlek training or whatever. Like, the 5k is not going to help you that much. It will help to a certain extent. And then after that, it won't really help at all because your body won't be used to it. So, you know, you can associate this with any sport. A golfer goes and does some cable swings to increase their speed and their resistance. They're actually training their muscles to work slower. You know, if you want to become uh, a better sprinter, again, this is where the accessories become a little bit more important if it's a short distance. But if you want to be a good marathon runner, you need to be able to run a marathon. You know, so it's this sort of specifics and the gym has its place. I'm all for the gym. You know, I'd love going to the gym myself. But if you want to be a football player, a pro football player, you need to look at how many hours you're on the pitch for first. So I think to sum this up, if you have a choice, you have an open slot between three to six in the, uh, in the afternoon, right? And then you have a football pitch available and you have the gym available. It is much better off, I don't know, doing an hour and 15 minutes on the pitch, resting for half an hour, I guess, yeah. and then doing another hour and 15 minutes on the pitch, rather than doing an hour and a half on the pitch, and then going in and doing an hour and a half in the gym. Uh, well, Maybe yeah. not yeah, better, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you are trying to, you know, reach yeah. that high level of what the pros are doing, make, yeah. get to the same thing, it is doing more yeah. time actually how you say being sports specific rather than being yeah. muscular specific I mean I'm trying, is it Matthew Saeed the bounce psychologist so he's a, an English guy he was a, I think he went to the Olympics something for table tennis and he said like in his garage as a kid they had a table tennis table 
and this is where you get that 10,000 hour sort of to make it to the elite level or whatever it is, something like that. Now, like I said, I would say nine times out of 10, yeah, if you've got the choice between the pitch and the gym, go to the pitch. The, the gym has its place and it has its accessories. Like I say, if you're struggling to win headers because you can't jump high enough, there's things you can do in the gym that are gonna help that. But in saying that, you need to be able to go and win the header. So like you say, you can do all the jumps you want in the world, but then if someone knocks you off balance whilst you're in the air, you ain't gonna win the header. So you, how do you get that realism? Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose there is kind of how you're talking about sports specificity. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what's the point of, of how you say, I don't know, say, even for me, right? I want to jump high or jump further. So that means, you know, I've got to work on my leg power, but what's how am I going to make that more sports specific? Squats, I mean, how you say, they're an accessory. But at the end of the day, maybe if I want to jump high, it's either learning the diving technique properly yeah. or maybe putting actually like, I don't know, a weighted vest on me yeah. and then trying to dive higher or putting a band on me to yeah, stop mean, me from going and stuff like that. Yeah, and you've also got to think of the risk and reward factor as well. Yeah. So if you're a goalie and you've been diving all day and your hip's a bit sore, the last thing you want is a six foot two centre forward to smash you in the hip as you yeah. go for a cross. So then I would say, right, you know what, maybe go to the gym and do some box jumps. Yeah. 100%. Kind of work off, work off your own how yeah. you're feeling. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not trying to advocate don't go to the gym. Yeah. Like I say, I, I think, personally, for me, it would be three times a week in the gym, but then I'd be doing Monday a session, Tuesday a double, Wednesday nothing, Thursday session, and then extras in the afternoons is six, Friday a single is seven, play the game eight. So that's eight pitch sessions to three gym sessions. Yeah. So, you know, the, the best way I got told it was, in the summer, you need to improve your passing. So you go to the pitch and you do some dribbling, you do some aerial control, you go to the gym, you do the program your SNC coach has given to you, you go back, your passing's still rubbish. Yeah. You're fitter than you were, you can jump higher than you were, your first touch is better than it was, but your passing isn't because you haven't done your passing. You know, if someone came to you as an SNC coach and said, I want to improve my squat, and you went, right, let's do some bench press. Yeah. Not a chance exactly. that's going to help anything. So, and, and this is this is where it's interesting with all sports. You know, lots of people see the gym as the answer, and don't get me wrong, it can be. I feel like yeah, how you say you have to know how to use yeah. it for it to be just going and to the gym and just lifting weights. That's not going to do anything. No, it's going to the gym and lifting, maybe not heavy or lifting in the certain Doing technique. Movement. Yeah, whatever movement, working yeah. on balance or whatnot. Um, yet to really have an impact so I think kind of for everyone and I kind of realise this myself this past year just going to the gym and just lifting is not going to solve you you need to know why you're lifting and what this is doing for you I mean I think it does again this has a time and a place you know there's a massive thing in going to the gym for me is like getting tedious Mm. like oh squats again so what I'll do is I'll go and do some box jumps or uh, jumping squats or just mix it up slightly so I'm doing the same movement but still doing the same so like Unless you're like a bodybuilder where you need to get bigger biceps or bigger shoulders or whatever it is that they need to do, then like there's nothing wrong with mixing your gym program up. But it, it, it just you know, if you want to be a footballer, you need to you need to train like a footballer, not like a bodybuilder. No, that makes sense. And I think that brings me on to kind of one of the big things that I think I want to talk to you about and uh, obviously we're speaking about kind of the toll that sometimes training will take on your body uh, going through a lot and stuff like that and being able to recover properly from all that and I think for me again this year as well learning more about it this has been a huge thing and that's nutrition 
Um, we say this with two bags of Haribo's and a Pepsi Max on the table. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, everyone everyone needs sugar for energy. Carbo low. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you never know what you're doing tomorrow. But I think a lot of, especially from like when I look at it, I mean, I'm not too sure, obviously in the academy environment, I feel like you guys will probably be getting meal plans and stuff like that. Um, whereas kind of from the way I look at it, in a lot of other areas, nutrition is not really a thing that people look at or they do look at but again just like with the gym they don't really know how to use it they get told oh you want to gain mass you got to eat more you got to eat more than you lose you want to yeah. lose weight you yeah. need to eat less than you but they don't know of what how much yeah. and stuff like that so i i want to get your opinion on two things first really how important is nutrition and then how important is the right nutrition and how do yeah. you know what the right, right. nutrition is well, First of all, if any of your listeners have a laptop or anything near them, Google a football player called Charlie Adams, right? Now, once you've seen a picture of him, you know what I'm on about, because he is the same age as Cristiano Ronaldo, right? And you can, you can probably hear Anton laughing here, do it. And then that, that will tell you that how much of a difference nutrition can make. Yes, his training schedule as well, but I'm putting that 70% down to nutrition, okay? Now... Nutrition is one of those things that as a kid and as you're growing, probably you don't need to worry about too much. You know, as a child, you're running around, you're burning so much energy anyway, just get the energy in. Yeah, I feel like it's when you hit like maybe 20. Yeah. That's when you you really got to start looking at it. Yeah, and also once you start getting in that elite environment and you've got to look for that next edge, that's Mm. when it can start to come in. Um, The thing is with nutrition, it is really simple. Like you said, you want to gain weight, eat more than you're burning. You want to lose weight, eat less than you're burning. Like, it's, it's pretty simple maths, but everyone gets stuck by it. Um, I mean, the best way... I mean, we always, like, would have, like, certain dishes and, like, laid out on, in this sort of kitchen area. And you know, one at a corner would be your proteins, your carbs, your fats, and then you've got your vegetables, and then we'd have, like, a smoothie, um, some probiotic yogurts and stuff like this. So, as a professional, it's so easy. Mm. Hence why I'm surprised at Charlie Adams. But hey ho. Yeah. But like, you know, and this was a club that was championship, premiership, always fluttering between the two. So I could go in with a plate and I'd already been taught through the academy, you know, um, you wanted sort of 50% carbs if it was like a red day, 40% if it was less and all the rest of it. You could divide your plate up, hand, size of your hand for the protein size and this sort of stuff you know it, very very basic but really easy to do so you get kind of so that's what i was actually going to ask about yeah. like obviously you have all that laid out in front of you yeah. but do you actually know how much of everything you should eat because yeah. i mean if it was me and probably as a common thing everyone's just like protein 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 yeah. protein 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 and nothing yeah. else so if it was me like two years ago and i go in how you say you know you got it all split like you got your veggies you got your carbs you got your fats you got your protein and stuff like that i'll probably go in and i'll get all right three chicken breasts a spoonful of rice and two broccolis yeah. and i mean i think both of us can agree that being a footballer it yeah. does, doesn't matter what that's probably the worst diet you could possibly have yeah. because I mean don't get me wrong your muscles will probably recover yeah. but you won't be able to run more than 100 yeah. yards before getting yeah. tired but this is the thing and this is all the basics you're taught sort of in an academy and stuff you know your first energy source when you get once you, once you start running you're going to go to your carbs first so someone who goes and like says just has a spoonful of rice within 10 minutes you're going to tell who that player is mm. Because not only will they not be able to run as far, but their brain function will be slow and all the rest of it. So 
in a pro environment, in an academy environment, it's, it's quite nutrition's easy. The only thing that's hard is knowing how much you're having of each. Yeah. You know, I always remember they used to do this pasta dish that was just really, really nice. I could easily eat the whole pasta with no meat on it, no chicken, no ham, or anything else with it. And all I've had is carbs or, and probably a little bit of fat from the sauce I'm happy. So that's the only difficulty. But in saying that, like, we got taught um, eyeballing. So like I said, uh, the size of your fist was, uh, on, a, on a red day, you would want two fists worth of protein. And on any other day, just have one fist. You know, so f- techniques like that were quite good. But once, if you're training a lot, as long as you're getting nutrition from the right sources, from your whole meals, you know, your, your fresh meat, and non-processed foods and what have you like you're probably not going to go far wrong i think there is a, a good emphasis on nutrition but this is what i mean about like people overcomplicating things it doesn't need to be complicated mm. you don't even need to use like your fist and stuff just literally hold a plate the plate's a circle just divide it in half right that's what my carbs need to fill and then just divide the other half into quarters like that's where my meat goes and that's where my fats slash vegetables go i mean if, if you've got red meat you, you've got your fats there anyway so, and, and that carbs is a massive one. If you're an athlete, carbs are your best friend. And see, this was as well that I was going to talk about because, you know, I think in a lot of the time, an athlete is always, especially like some sometimes I see it at college level uh, in the States again, you know, I want to get slimmer, like I want to be lighter and stuff like that. And then, so how, and the first thing that those people will be told by person that may not know so much about this is Instagram. Instagram, yeah, they'll, they'll look at Instagram and it's like, carbs are bad, fat is bad. And so they're there going, well, okay, so I want to lose weight and I want to slim down, but I'm still trying to play. And you see them there, like we were saying, you know, they, they don't look as fast, they don't look anything. So what, like, how do you explain to those guys that, you know, sometimes see those huge fitness accounts or something like that posting, carbs is what makes you fat, or this mainstream idea of media that carbs is the thing that makes you fat. How do you explain to them that carbs is actually one of the most essential things that you could possibly yeah. eat and it's just knowing the right carbs to eat, which is not a packet of large chips from McDonald's. <laughs> it's whole grain rice, whole yeah. grain bread, whole it's, grain pasta. It, it's difficult. It is really difficult. And um, I've seen so many, I've been, you know, culprit of it myself. You, you see a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo tensing and someone goes, oh, he only eats... 75 grams of carbs a day and I'm there going well if he does it you know it's very easy for someone just to put that tag on and for you to believe it um, luckily like say in pro environments and academy environments you've got scientists literally scientists nutritionists there to tell you that that's a load of rubbish and this is actually what you need to do but it's so much harder for certain individuals that aren't in that environment just to get sucked into uh, oh I don't want to eat carbs first of all it's impossible because even sweet corn's got carbs in it. Not a lot, I'll give you that. But it's got carbs in it. Like, it's impossible to do. Um, and I know it sounds a little bit stereotypical, but there are certain sports where food is a lot more of an issue than people think. And athletics is one of them. Massive. Body image is massive. And whether that's because everybody wears lycra in that sport or whether it's because it can be directly linked to performance. You know, it's individual you know, if you're not running fast enough, it's because of you, it's not because of anyone else. Whereas in football, sometimes you can hide behind other people. But nutrition is, it, it, it can be the difference. Like like I said, the difference between 
Cristiano Ronaldo being late 30s, mid 30s, performing as he is and recovering as he is, is probably down to his nutrition. I know um, there's a, a Brazilian centre half playing in France. I think he's 43. He's playing in the top division in France. Oh my god! And he's uh, put something out saying he hasn't had fast food for like 10 years. Yeah. But I bet, but he still eats pasta, carbs, but it's like brown pasta, brown rice. Exactly. You know, and uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I can't remember his name. But there was a lad who played for Brighton, who you would go to the real extreme. You'd have like no blue light two hours before you went to sleep and stuff. Oh my god. And uh, Bruno, his name was. He played until he was like late 30s in the Premier League. So. Nutrition then for me falls into that sort of if you want to go to that next level, how seriously do you want it? But there's no need to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Have beans on toast for breakfast with a with a smoothie. Have a little cereal bar as a snack. Have, you know, your portions of individual things for your lunch and you know, some yogurt with some fruit as a snack. Same again for dinner, some fruit before bed. Golden. It's really, really easy. Um, and there's no secret formula. You know, the food I eat now at home is very, very similar to the food I, I ate when I was professional. Yeah. And I think that kind of just kind of sums it up that how easy it is to do it. It's not, you don't have to make these amazing kind of dishes and stuff like that. A lot like of them that. look boring. Yeah. Ham rice, a bit of chicken and some green. Yeah. Broccoli. But that, that's the best thing that's for you sometimes. So George, hate to rush it, but we are kind of um, running low on time. So um, we will do another episode where you kind of go more into your pro life, sure. what it looks like and stuff like that. But I think obviously today we touched on gym, we touched on nutrition, we touched on mindset and stuff like that to kind of maybe break into that pro level when you are like either in your 20s or you're in college and stuff like that. Yep. So if you were to give a 30 second summary on what you really should focus on if you're in that bracket of trying to make it pro, what should it be? What should you be focusing on? Okay, 30 seconds, gotta put me on the spot. I've said a lot today. All right, so you've got 30 seconds. Plan your days, know where you've got your gaps to train and prioritize your training. What do you need to improve on? Prioritize that first. Get to the same level as the pros before you think about surpassing them. It's going to take a while. Get to their level, then get beyond them. Okay. Then look at your accessories. What can I do to help that? Whether that be gym, nutrition, sleep, studying. Find out what fit, what works for your body best. Are you best to load up on your carbs before bed? Load up on your carbs in the morning. You know, foam roll, stretch. Learn how to do all that stuff properly, because that's what the pros have done. But also enjoy yourself pros enjoy themselves they have downtime they have days where they don't think about football days where they don't talk about football you need to do the same as well don't let it run your life amazing you know what thanks for that insight george and guys i hope this has really been insightful for all you lot listening that may be trying to kind of reach that level um if any of you have any questions drop me a message if any of you want to hear more from george i'm more than happy uh, to put him in touch with you everything like that really hope you guys have enjoyed this george we'll definitely do another episode before i head back off no worries, um, it's been a pleasure and yeah guys we'll see you soon have a happy new year